session and welcome everybody. This is BMP. <laughs> what was the show again, Valdek? This yeah. is going well. <laughs> <laughs> In two seconds. That was really good. So welcome to the BMP Weekly episode 222. It is October 6th. Um, we're recording this in a bit outside of the normal recording hours again. Not too big. Well, geez. Um, anyway, so we're recording this on 6th of October 2023. Yes, we are. <laughs> Hashtag PMP Weekly. <laughs> Follow us on uh, X. <laughs> In the PMP Weekly, I always talk about the latest on Microsoft 365 and the Microsoft 365 Cloud all together together with Power Platform and, and GitHub and all of that stuff. So a lot of, lot of cool uh, things. And we typically have a visitor. This time the visitor is... Da -da 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 -da. Sarah Haas. Yes, we had a really good discussion with Sarah related on her work and, and all of that. And she's leading a a team on the modern work um, adaption and change management support in a governance and all of that stuff in a multi uh, global multi world multi world friday you know <laughs> this is going well this is going really well so it's good that i'm losing english after 17 years working in microsoft just before you're really about well. to go to go to redmond right <laughs> exactly so why are you actually coming into us sorry couldn't couldn't get in so sorry. Best i come home <laughs> <laughs> i could not drop by at the office uh, because i couldn't get in they didn't let me in yes. why well I'm just... <laughs> i couldn't explain myself they didn't understand Finglish, so you know. Yes. Anyway, so let's jump on the interview with Sarah and then do the articles right after that. Excellent. Let's get moving. So thank you, Sarah, for joining on the PMP Weekly episode two hundred and twenty-one. Actually, not two hundred one, which I actually had accidentally on the title, but that's okay. <laughs> but so, Sarah, thank you for joining on the show. Uh, can we do? Let's start with the basics. Who are you, and what do you do for a living? Uh, absolutely. My name is Sarah Housie, uh, Microsoft MVP. I'm based out of Minnesota in the United States. Um, my background is actually by education. I'm a librarian, but realistically, I work for really big organizations, helping them manage their Microsoft technologies. So I work for a bank, um, helping about 95,000 users figure out how to make uh, Microsoft 365 secure, compliant, and usable at scale. So that's really what I focus on. Wow. That's and we only cool. have 40 minutes and I have so many questions. <laughs> yes, immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with the librarian. So did you actually work as a librarian? And uh, just out of curiosity, because it's like jumping yeah. to, to the current job might be a big jump, or is it? Yeah. So it's not like I play a librarian on TV. I actually have a graduate degree in library and information science, never worked at a library a day in my life. Um, I do have a lot of background in technical writing, content management systems, which is how I got started in SharePoint. So a lot more information management, whether we yeah. think about the classic metadata tagging, putting data in, being able to assemble content, um, whether that's for training or documentation and being able to manage all of that with metadata from a large organizational perspective, that type of content management is what I've always done with my career. So librarian and education, not an actual practice, unless you consider uh, corporate data to be yeah. the things that I tend to manage. But it is pretty similar when you think about it, mm -hmm. because it's metadata and, and coordination of the data, understanding data structures and, and how all of that is being managed. Uh, yes. so, 
I recall when I think that was in 2007 when when we got moss like we got these du- du- Dublin core columns and nobody's like what is this for yes oh, data classification yes right <laughs> Dublin core it takes me all the way back to my school days so we're always about um and I think I've actually heard these phrase the words findability and putability have kind of come back those are words that we used to talk about back in 2007 2010 2012 and I think that they're now coming back as people are still finding that right but how do I find it again search works well but how do I know and now we have the problem of it isn't just which SharePoint site it's on is it in teams or in OneDrive or is it in SharePoint online and did I remember where I put it or did I see it in Viv Engage and can I search for things appropriately uh, and it's still about how many seconds or minutes or people does it take to help you find what you need right yeah which is actually I a good thing. One, one thing I want to ask. Yep. I'm, it's burning. <laughs> okay, fine. Folders go, go first. or metadata? And, <laughs> and again, like we have only 30 minutes now. <laughs> <laughs> I can make this simple. It's been, oh my gosh, the years of my career that I've spent having philosophical debates about folders or metadata. And I have to be honest, I'm a taxonomy lover. I'm a librarian. I loved building taxonomies. I still love building taxonomies. So I was always a metadata purist. But then we have Microsoft Teams. And I remember distinctly years ago when Teams first came out, and I remember being at a conference and Jeff Tieber got the question, metadata versus folders. And he's like, Microsoft Teams, what do you see? There are folders. There's all kinds of folders. And we stopped that that argument. I think now it's all about search. It's all about helping people figure out what to share where and what to put where. So I feel like that philosophical debate I think Teams kind of uh, changed the changed the landscape for even having that debate. Yeah, mm. and I guess that, I never looked at it that way. That forces also us out from the mandatory metadata and all of that stuff because even with OneDrive for Business, you cannot have mandatory metadata because otherwise you're you're blocking the files to get uploaded. And and you know if it gets more complicated, then people are finding alternative ways of storing their files. So. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But it used to be, right, Waldek? It's everything was used to be mandatory metadata and, and having those panels in Word vividly and files these long and... forms. But then I think at some point we introduced the ability for you to upload a file without them, and then you would get like warning. So like you're missing these very important fields. Sure, sure. And, and nowadays, it's of clever solutions around it. So you build buttons on your site. If you click this button, we're going to assume these pieces of metadata, and we're going to create SharePoint designer workflows and content types to be able to manic- magically manage that metadata. And then look where we are today. Um, yep. So it's it's it just means that hey, everything changes, nothing changes, but we're still talking about it. But it's amazing how you can have an entire career in a lifespan in Microsoft technologies. And we're still having interesting conversations about this. And I think we are just on the cusp of yet another wave because AI. Mm-hmm. And how much context sure. can AI infer from a folder versus structured metadata that you could overlay on top of a file, right? So I think that there will be another exciting time for those of us who are passionate about this area like what are the best practices and what are the recommended ways about it yeah and already today we're talking about uploading a file or image on the microsoft cloud it will automatically be detected from a metadata perspective now is the the information correct that that's always debatable but uh that's that's basically the detecting or even in ocr 
level. So detecting on what is the, it's the, the image, it's a horse, it does blah, 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 and all of these things happening, it's a morning, blah, blah, blah. And, and getting that metadata in place automatically is, is, is a huge opportunity because then we don't need to ask the end user to actually do that. And then we save time. And coming mm -hmm. back on Sarah, what you mentioned that related on saving those minutes, the, the cool thing about saving minutes is that saving minutes is actually money because time is money and that's, you know, we can justify that workload uh, and uh, the investments on those things. Absolutely. And I guess, I guess with the syntax and all of these investments with automatic things and uploading files and everything else in the best universe, it's going to be interesting when we get there. Nobody needs to care about metadata in some point of time, right? But I don't think Seems we are like there like yet. Holy or are grail. we? Are we there yet? The elusive, there yet? the elusive goal, right? <laughs> yes. We'll always be there, but then we'll uncover a whole new problem that we haven't thought about yet. Um, so, no matter what, when we when we think about where to find things, how to quickly get to things, um, there's all of these new avenues that I think that people are going to be talking about over the coming years that we don't really even understand yet. Um, yeah. You know, I'm fascinated by companies not talking about the teams app rail or the team's navigation rail and how they're going to govern the use of what gets top billing in real estate on that navigation rail and what are their, how do they manage that over time? And I think that there are a lot of orgs that aren't talking about that, but I think that they should be thinking about that in the fullness of time, because that makes a difference in terms of how you enable your users, how much freedom you give them to manage it. So even as things change, it's amazing how the details are different, but we're still having meaningful conversations about how to help people find things quickly. True, true. And on the team side, on the left rail, how many items can we put there? Is it seven or eight or whatever? Then you need to figure out which of those are fixed and which of those are mm -hmm. editable and which can be pinned and which aren't. And I think actually I saw a yesterday, was it, in Twitter, we, we had announced publicly that we're rolling out a uh, end user more flexibility on the Microsoft 365 left rail configuration as well. So you can actually by yourself, you can configure what's in the left rail in the Microsoft 365, which is different than Teams and that's confusing, right? So <laughs> We'll be explaining that one for years to come. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's always these challenges how we can minimize the or optimize the work, right? Uh, it's it's interesting, and even the global navigation. And and um, yes, at some point it was SharePoint. Now it's Teams. Now it's Microsoft 365. We are evolving, but we're always talking about the same things, and it's still all about finding the the information and mm -hmm. and how can we optimize that. Now, Sarah. Uh, Within your work, um, mm -hmm. what would be kind of the typical things? So let's start with the basics. So first of all, you work with a multinational, a large 90,000 employee company. Well, what are you actually, what do you do for a living? And what does the day-to-day -day work consist of? Right, so I manage a team uh, that owns a variety of capabilities, um, some not related to Microsoft 365, but from an M365 perspective, my day-to-day -day team, we manage SharePoint, OneDrive, Viva Connections, Viva Engage, um, and a few other components within the M365 stack. So um, we manage that from everything from security and compliance. So I happen to have the biggest stores of unstructured data in our organization. So there's a ton of security and compliance um, pieces that come with that. So that's where I spend, uh, I might not have thought so three years ago or five years ago, but that's where I spend the vast majority of my time is how are we gonna manage um, our content? How do we manage our M365 groups? How do we certify those? What are the requirements for doing that? Um, how often do we need to do that? How do we manage permissions on all of those containers and all of those files? Um, I'm also responsible for, of course, the operational rigor of keeping things running, helping people as they have issues or incidents. 
And then I own product management. So training 95,000 people globally on all of yeah. these products and how do we enable them to try and make the transition easily. And that's is a never ending, fascinating story of some of the things that you think will be easy are an incredible lift. And some of the things that you think would be the last thing that people would pick up, you spend next to no time on and they just um, glom onto it and pick it up and run with it in ways that you don't expect. So that's fascinating. Why is, is, is that, is that caused by the fact that like, there's this miss, um, misperception of it? Like people assume that it's hard while, while in reality it isn't, or is it because the features aren't, aren't obvious? I think it's partially the culture and the personality of not only companies, but departments and organizations and how people prefer to work. Because I've worked for many large organizations and where they, um, where they succeed and where they struggle is different for each organization. And I think a lot of it comes down to the culture. Um, uh, one of the things that I've learned in the past few years that is very evident where I am now is that OneDrive is one of those capabilities that it takes more time and effort on our part to convert someone into using OneDrive uh, than it does any other uh, one of our M365 apps that we support. Now, why that is, I can't say, because it's not that OneDrive is particularly difficult. It's a pretty straightforward model. But I will also say that even going back to the days of Moss, document check-in and check-out is sure. horribly difficult um, yes. to be able to manage and to, and to help people with. So, But at every company that I've been at, there have been different areas that are easier or more difficult. At other locations, certainly SharePoint sites and building something that used more than a shared documents library was very difficult for some organizations. Um, so it's fascinating to me how company, culture, personality, and the way people are used to working traditionally impact the way that they adopt the tools. Features is are great. Features can make it easier, but it's also so much about the company culture. And is it like when you meet a company or a team, is that through, let's say, the, I don't know, is this called intake or the initial interview you have with them and the kind of the first impression you get from the culture that they have that you are already able to think like three steps ahead. Oh, so you will have issues with that and that will become a simple thing because of the experience. And again, how much you know about the culture influencing the way of work. Uh, sometimes you can get an idea of that. But when I go into a company um, and what I always teach people uh, in workshops and at conferences is I love hosting um, exercises um, that are called innovation games, where it gives you the ability to go in, meet with small groups of people, 10, 12, 14 users at a time, and you can run many of them. You can run them in person or you can run them uh online or hybrid, um, but you meet with users to ask them what their pain points, challenges, and opportunities are. And that's how you really start getting to um, understand what those difficulties are. Because sometimes when you're interviewing, you'll get the perspective of maybe the leadership team that you're interviewing with, which might be an entirely different perspective, of course, than the users that are every day there using the tool. So I love running uh, events and interaction points where I can actually get concrete data from the people who are living in the tools every day about what their challenges are. Yep. Yeah, it's like they say they're doing the one thing and and in reality, they're doing another, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure. And you need to understand the actual end users, not just the people who are managing the end users and think how they would be actually using the tools. So right. that's good. Do you have any uh, related on uh, on the products we were saying, for example, on the Viva, let's say Viva Connection. Is Viva Connection used in your company? Uh, yes, it is. 
any any good learnings related on how would other companies uh, well how would what would they should be doing to onboard on Viva Connection? Uh, oh, uh, I do, and I have a really interesting story about. Viva I might Connection. have some OKRs on this, so that's why I'm asking. So you know. okay, um, so <laughs> I love Viva Connections. I think it's an excellent opportunity to meet people where they live to be able to take and expose content in a rich way within Microsoft Teams. Um, I have to be honest, though, I think that we use it somewhat differently. So we use Viva Connections certainly to be able to feature um, new stories that we write about employee productivity tools from an organizational news site perspective so that it gets visibility. Yep. But then we also leverage Viva Engage heavily to be able to drive traffic to the articles that are posted on Viva Connections. And Viva Connections uh, generates a lot of traffic. However, um, uh, let's say an all company announcement on Viva Engage, um, I can generate 58,000 views on that within eight hours or less. Um, meaning that uh, we like to partner Viva Connections and Viva Engage together to yep. be able to uh, help people to natively get to that content within Teams, but to also get it within Viva Engage and repoint them back to Viva Connections and to be able to leverage it that way. So for us, it's a lot about being able to um, not only disseminate, but have good conversations about the content that we want to share. How did you arrive at the and an approach like did you read a book resources or basically trial and error tried things evolved things things didn't work how did you approach that uh, we tried a lot of things and we figured out what works so That's and what works at one organization is so completely different than what works at another organization i run user groups or conferences in person and virtual conferences and hackathons and things at many different companies and at one company, you might run a user group and it's all in person. Everybody wants to be in the same room at the same time. You might run a, another user group where everyone works in the same building, but they want to attend from their desk and they want to be able to type their questions and submit it via Teams. They have no interest in getting together in a room. Yeah. I don't care which one we do. I only care which one makes my users happy. So um, what's been interesting is rolling out, and I, I love Viva Engage, when we rolled it out, um, it's amazing how much people love that platform. Um, they love sharing pictures of their pets. They love being able to look at other people's questions about OneDrive or OneNote and being able to share answers and what they know about those types of things. So Viva Engage has surprised me in terms of being the component within the M365 stack that has probably grown the most with the least amount of effort to drive. Yeah. And I, I Coming back on what you just said about Viva Engage, and that that's a company cultural thing as well, but allowing employees to post pictures about their pets and family and everything else actually increases the engagement within the systems. And then that basically quite often might be the only reason why people come there. And then they start realizing, hey, actually, this is a great tool for catching up on other things as well. So maybe in some companies you're not allowed to do that, but it not, not, it's not necessarily a bad thing because then we learn about the other ways so you know not just the business business corporate stuff um, but also Great. what's happening outside of it so we have uh on Microsoft 365 right we have this notion that there are multiple ways to kind of do the same thing like if mm -hmm. you could argue that well outlook teams and viva engage are a way to to communicate and connections too right and are all, all a way to communicate mm-hmm how would you advise people to reason over these different approaches? Are they exactly the same or are there 
seemingly the same, but in reality, they, they serve a different goal. Uh, I think that they have similarities. They serve different goals, but at the end of the day, what matters is what people want, how they think about their content and what they prefer. Uh, as I always like to say, different teams and different people have different personalities, different preferences, and I actually care more about their preference. And that might lead to leveraging one tool over another. Um, uh, and it's always fascinating, I think, from a sociological perspective to take a look at uh, what some people find more attractive and others find less attractive. Yeah, that almost reminds me, like, lay on a couch and tell me something, what you think, and what does that say about you, right? <laughs> true, true. Visiting uh, shrink, the M365 shrink. <laughs> <laughs> But it is actually, I think it's it's proven as proven by far, but the study is that you cannot actually force people to adapt certain things. It's better to actually go where people are and try to help them on, on using things the way they want to actually use them uh, and then gradually maybe guide them to a certain direction. So rather than saying something, you know, that's wrong, you should do this. And it's like, no, uh, because yeah. there's immediately that defensive mechanism and uh, that, no, 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 you're not going to tell me what how I'm going to do my work. So. I always tell people you can drive, you can force compliance, but you can't force adoption. Compliance is yes. if I want to take a day off, if you require me to fill out this form or to go through this process, um, sure, I may do that to get the day off. But am I naturally curious about this process? Do I look at it as an opportunity to learn something new and maybe then apply that to other business needs that I have? Of course not. You've driven yep. compliance based on requiring me to do something. Um, yep. Adoption always occurs when people perceive that there is a natural benefit that they opt into. Uh, and so when we're talking about adoption, it's actually much harder to make something appear easy, attractive, and meaningful so that people want to adopt it is, is actually so much more interesting. So yeah. when I was talking about OneDrive, right? If OneDrive is the sole place you've turned off the other locations where people can store files, you can drive compliance. Um, but if you want people to opt into using it for all of the benefits that OneDrive brings, well, that takes more effort. True, true. And there's a, especially in scale. Hmm? <laughs> right, because like if you would think, well, in order to drive adoption, you need to meet people where they are in a way. Yep. How do you do that at scale? Like I, I don't see you somehow, you know, meeting 90,000 people and like making it like really tailored to everybody's preference. I meet with people one-on-one -on -one a lot. I have a team of <laughs> managers that meet with people one-on-one -on -one a lot. But we also do a lot of creative work around uh, generating content um, on our Viva Connections home site, um, generating a lot of content, um, whether that be short articles, tip ideas, um, even GIFs and recorded clips that we post on Viva Engage, holding internal conferences. And we do them all virtually because we have such a a widely geographically dispersed team, but it's it's not unusual for us to run a virtual event where we may be teaching a class on using the OneDrive Sync client for 850 people. Um, yep. And But you have to make it personable. Um, one of the things that's always amazing to me is when I get on video and I'm teaching a training class, what do people want to talk about? They want to talk about Macau in the background, right? So you have to be willing to engage with them about first about that, and then maybe they want to talk about OneDrive. But if they like your background, if they get to know you as a person, then they're more likely to listen to you about OneDrive. So it's all of that together. Sure, sure. 
that's why everybody should have their background actually visible, by the way. That's a separate thing. I was just yeah. about to not, say not exactly the same. No more blurred <laughs> backgrounds and exactly. <laughs> interesting in there. Like the if possible, there. not everybody has that opportunity yes. though, so that's fair. Uh, so that's good. Now you also mentioned that you're an MVP and you're doing organizing outside of the work, a lot of events yeah. and things as well. Can you talk about why 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 MVP? What is the value out of MVP for you? Um. Well, I think that being an MVP is all about giving back to the community. And I'll say long before I was an MVP, I was organizing local events. Back then, we called them SharePoint Saturdays. Um, and now most of us call them M365 events. So I organize M365 Twin Cities, which is where I live. Um, and being able to go to conferences, go to events, organizing events is such a lovely way to be able to it's, it's life enriching for me uh, to be able to do that. Um, sometimes being able to help people build connections with others that leads to new job opportunities. Certainly being able to travel. Last weekend, I was just up in Ottawa uh, yep. for an event and then in Montreal getting to see friends and being able to talk about M365. Um, those are opportunities. And as you both know, when you build so many friendships in this community, because it's such an incredible group of people, you want to go see your friends. You want to be able to go out there. I love to travel. So it sort of meets all of those. And you love having them come to see you when you hold an event. So all of those things really play out together. And being an MVP is really just the icing on is the icing on all of that. So but the important part for me is really about being able to have fun, be engaged in what I do, love what I do enough to do it in my free time and not just in my work time. Yeah. And, and like you said, have those peer-to-peer -peer connections and friends who actually understand what you're talking about. So, because yes. the, it might be that the local friends or even your spouse or whatever, or partner cannot really understand what you do for a living. Like in, in my case, it's always like wife is always telling that she has absolutely no idea what I do for a living. But, you know, um, apparently you're working for Microsoft. I have right. no idea other than that. So they're recording some things every now and then. I don't but know. My friends I'm know I travel phone. a lot because it's on Facebook. I'm here and True. there. You, you travel True. around. So. True. Yeah. True. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this week, a lot of people actually are, a lot of friends are also in, in uh, Las Vegas because the Power Platform uh, community is kind of an overarching, it's it's multiple communities like over other communities. It's not like mm -hmm. it's isolated them trees is by Power Platform. And so Las Vegas is, well, not from my perspective, not my preference, the preference for a conference location because Las Vegas is a bit too flashy, uh, but um, it's it's a good way of catching up with the friends as well. So It is, it is. So yes, a lot of people that we know in Las Vegas this week and um, fortunately or unfortunately, I think we all have experience staying at hotels in Las Vegas frequently for conferences. Yes. So yes. <laughs> been there, done there, didn't get a t-shirt. No interest. Don't need there, a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need the t-shirt. I've been there, done that. Now, um, the the M365 Twin Cities is coming relatively soon, if I remember. Was it in October? Yeah. It's November 11th. November. Um, okay. So it's about six weeks away. Yeah. See, this is how well we do research. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it is coming up, um, and we're excited research. about it. We're doing user research live on this show. <laughs> but what's uh, what's the Twin City uh, all about? So where is it uh, that was 12th of November? Who should be joining? So November there? 11th, it's in it's just north of Minneapolis. Um, people who can attend, we're going to have. We actually run a pretty 
wide scale event. We actually have 10 session rooms going at once throughout the day. Um, so we cover everything from Power Platform, Microsoft Teams, development, administration, um, certainly SharePoint, OneDrive. We sort of have all of it. And, and we're fortunate to have a lot of good friends that are flying in from all over the country. And, um, you know, in Minnesota, we like to call ourselves South Canada sometimes. So we've got a lot of our Canadian <laughs> friends that, that come across the border down into Minnesota for the event. So we're always excited about that too. So, yep. um, and it is all posted on Collab Days. So people can go out there to be able to sign up, learn more. Of course, it's all free. Community so, days. No. Commu no. Community days, right? Community Not days. days. Sorry. It's early in the morning for me. Wow. Community days. It's all there. That's what I thought. It's like, Okay. Anyway, but it's it's all there, and 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 uh, w oh, sorry m three sixty five tc dot com uh, seems yes. to be the website. Uh, now this is happening on Saturday. Um, so I was pretty recently in a call up days Helsinki. There's so many of these things, but again, similar kind of a. It used to be called Chip on Saturday Helsinki, mm -hmm. and, and now it's call up days Helsinki. Um, that was on Saturday as well. Do you see transitioning uh, between the you know is Saturday the right way day to do things still, or or how do you see the because that's again, it's a good question. We are actually, level of <laughs> Yes, we are talking about that. So before uh, before 2020, we ran two events a year, always on a Saturday. It was SharePoint Saturday, and we ran them in the spring and the fall. And then we all got interrupted, right, uh, with life. And now this will be our second event, in-person event back. Um, so we ran one this past January, one on November 11th. We've made them both Saturdays, but we're actually discussing whether or not I think things have changed and altered and whether or not it might be better to run them on a Friday or another day during the week. Some of these things are interesting to navigate because the world is just different than it used to be, no matter sure. how we'd like to think about it. Um, uh, we, we, you know, all of us have gotten three or four years older, even though I like to think I couldn't have done, um, but we have to rethink. Uh, so I'm not sure where that's gonna land, but we're actively talking about whether Saturday feels right or whether we need to look at a different day. Yeah, yeah, that would be an interesting thing. There would be an interesting thing to learn how companies look at letting the employees off for a day to learn, basically, right? Sure. Sure. Right. And I guess I guess the ship on Saturday started more as a it wasn't really a employee. You were not an employee of a company when you were attending. You were part of the community. Um, but maybe right. Because of the age, we're getting a bit more older and community is getting, maybe the average age is getting a bit older because the IT is more broadly available. Yes, we get a lot of new people, luckily. We uh, baked a lot of bread in the last three years. Uh, and and, and <laughs> that time transition that time. So, but it, it is it is interesting because there's, I think there's a, some level of a change and then people, I, I guess the, the really long March 2020, which took like 18 months uh, or 24 months, uh, it, it basically maybe it made us more value the family life, and you know that the weekends are sacred more rather than willing to spend the weekend in the in the community events. Um, but I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's so. Yeah, and I'm maybe if it's see how that changes over time. Yeah. If it's on weekend, then it's a definitely a community event. If it's on Friday, then is it a community event? Is it more as a you know corporate event? That's an interesting question. So, and what is the implications out of that? Really interesting to see. I think uh, call up days Helsinki, if I understood correctly, with the organizers, they're looking into now testing then Friday uh, next time, uh, just to kind of see if there's a difference on that. So, but that is good. Um, what makes you 
well, again, of course, meeting the meeting the friends and everything else, but there mm -hmm. is a lot of work to be done uh, coordinating mm -hmm. these kind of events. You've been doing this now for a while. Uh, why? Why? What's the value out of it? Um, or is it know, just a habit? You're so just we just uh, need to do it's this. It's a habit, but it's a habit that I choose, of course, from yeah. one time to the next to continue to stay involved. I just really enjoy it. Um, I really enjoy being able to. Uh, look at sessions, think about how content is changing, um, what content people will find interesting. I love building the relationships with the local community. It's a great way to be able to connect with people that maybe you don't get to see all the time in person anymore. Because I think that over the last few years, we've we've morphed and maybe we don't get together um, for as many in-person events. So it's like a family reunion every time that you go. Um, but uh, I enjoy putting it together. I enjoy being able to talk with other people at Microsoft, be a part of a, be part of building something. Uh, I think is compelling. So, and I still love the people that I work with. So you don't want to break the band up. You got to keep it together. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> who, who, by the way, sorry. Do you also see in 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 influx of new folks, or is it just you know the same tight knit from over the years, but there's no really new no new newcomers. Uh, over time, historically, we've seen that it is a tight knit, but it grew over time, meaning that there were always new people, uh, new students, which I'm actually incredibly excited about. Um, when I was actually in the event in Ottawa last week, I actually met someone who was a student who was attending, a university student who was interested oh, really? in learning more about That's Microsoft cool. technologies and about how Microsoft approaches things like AI and big data and data storage. And I find that really fascinating. So I think that there are there are people that you know, but then there are always new people and that makes things so much more exciting. Now, the reality is since coming back after 2020, we've had, of course, the great reshuffle. A lot of people have chosen to go down different paths in life. So maybe they are working differently. Maybe they've retired. Maybe they have different roles and jobs now. So it isn't just the same people again. Some of them are the same, but we have a whole lot of new people to reach out to. So there's a challenge in that as well to be able to build relationships with new people and to have them find you and you find them yeah yeah and as a how is it as a person who's been a bit longer on the community that's probably a good way of saying that uh it's obviously our responsibility to be welcoming all of the new people uh yes. in the community and we can make those connections and basically say hey um, guess what this person in here is doing similar kind of things that you are doing so and having those opportunities for newcomers also in these events is super super critical so yeah. rather than always having the same band um just presenting and presenting so yeah Good, good, good. Uh, what should we go back in uh, time? How do you get to be uh, Sarah in Sarah's position? Well, how, how did you, what did you study? What was the, the historical? Uh, well, <laughs> you're a librarian, of course, but you know, so yes. how did, how did you're, you're leading a team in a multi million dollar, billion dollar yeah. company uh, and doing cool things? How do I get to do well, that? Well, you start as an English major who enjoys reading literature and doing analysis, and then somehow you end up writing. SharePoint or not to SharePoint? That's right. And then sooner or later, all roads lead you to SharePoint. I don't, I don't know how that happens, but you start off as a typical English major and then look at what happens to you over time. Um, I think if you, I think it's a pretty classic thing that if you, uh, if you enjoy communicating verbally and in writing, I think that SharePoint is kind of a frequent place where people end up because there is such an opportunity within the Microsoft space to uh, make order out of opportunity. 
or order out of chaos, depending on your worldview, but to find opportunity and then be able to talk about it and share it with others. So um, from there, um, there are so many areas in, in my job that I never expected to find that have been gifts. They've been challenges, but gifts. Security and compliance being one of those. I never thought that that would be such a huge area of focus for me. Um, uh, but sometimes you find yourself with an opportunity to learn something new from a technological perspective uh, yeah. about the Microsoft stack and about the capabilities that it has at play. And if you can always lean into that, um, here's the other great thing about being an MVP and being in this community. I don't have to know everything, but it's great to have friends. Um, so I have people that I can call who are willing to help teach me the things that I don't understand and start with the most basic terminology. And that's how you gain knowledge over time. So it's one of the things that I love about what I do is being able to be so connected to so many smart people. Yeah, absolutely. And nobody is expected to know everything. It's okay to not know. So it's it's absolutely normal thing. Now, from a timing perspective, uh, let's let's start closing up. So typically close up the, the, the interviews on what's going to happen this week. Anything interesting? What's happening this or next week? Uh, what is on table? Uh, what, what you can talk about? Nothing under NDA. Oh, uh, what's happening this week? Well, we already talked about it. No. If we cannot talk about, talk, talk about the NDA. <laughs> <laughs> So all of us are going to be having FOMO about the conference, maybe not Correct. the location, as we've already yep. talked about. So that is definitely this week. Uh, and then next week, I, I am deep into the planning for our next M365 Twin Cities event, which is coming up in just over five weeks. So uh, yep. that is my this week and next week. And I'm going to stay home for a change because I've been traveling and I was just up in Canada for an event, speaking at an event. So my this week and next week is a lot more homebound, getting things done. Sounds good. What about you, Waldek? Anything interesting on your table? Always. Uh, in an hour, I'm going to be presenting about what's new in uh, Microsoft 365 Developer Proxy V012. Very True. specific thing. Um, other than that, working a lot of uh, connectors. So uh, trying to tell everybody to what what are the benefits of you thinking, like how can you bring external um, content you've got to Microsoft 365 to be able to find it more easily and share it more easily with others. So doing some work there, building samples, working with anybody, everybody who's willing to listen, right, or, yep. um, around that. So we shipped a few things already and we have way more to come. So stay tuned for more. How about you, Vesa? A lot of the baseline weekly by weekly community course coordination videos, all of that stuff, a lot of stuff to be get produced, but then a nice opportunity next week to drop by at the office as well. So it's it's only 6,000 miles to always drop by at the office. So it's, it's good to be in Redmond uh, every now and then. It's now been one and a half years since I've been in Redmond, maybe last time. So, you know, it's a bit weird, but it's good to catch up. Um, I think I've it's still like- As an employee. Sorry, what? I've never been in the office as an employee. At yeah, you've never been in an office at the employee. That's, not even, that is not so even strange. in the sub here in the Netherlands. Yes, yes. <laughs> that is. Some but see, it, it works. It works. <laughs> see, you can be successful as a remote worker as well. Right, Sarah? So. <laughs> I'm still here. Successful, I don't know. I'm still here, though. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. But thank you, Sarah, for joining. Really cool discussion. Good to catch up and could create expect uh, a bit of a different perspective again on the on the on the working. And I love the the librarian and and uh, the historical perspective on things as well. So thank you for joining and thank you for the chat. Thanks for having me.
Excellent. Then we'll jump on the weekly articles covering what has happened within the last week. But thank you, Sarah, one more time. Really, really cool. All right. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Excellent. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, one more time for the for the uh, awesome discussion. Um, so really, really cool. Uh, and thank you for joining. That was brilliant. Uh, so um, I guess it's time to jump on the on the weekly articles, right? Let's do that. What let's do you do have that. for us this time? This time, uh, let's start from here. Uh, and uh, I, I'm just double checking everything is working. Yes, it is working. Ah, technology is amazing. So, um, so let's jump from here. So first of all, um, the mic new Microsoft Teams app is now available for Windows and Mac. Uh, so that is now G8. We've been testing that uh, significantly internally and also externally. It's been in preview and now it's uh, G8, which is basically production ready. Um, and it's also rolling out the public review for uh, the governmental clouds and all of that. So really, really cool. Uh, faster, less CPU, all of that. So uh, even though I'm a Microsoft employee, I I guess it's fair to say that it's been a bit of a challenge <laughs> on using Teams and multitasking when you're doing Teams with the video in certain computers. Yeah. But it's, to be honest, I'd like us to, to take the hit internally, like to drive, to, yeah. to test internal uh, stuff, the early releases, so that everybody else will have a really smooth ride and, and a great experience. So the more issues yes. we can catch internally, yes, yes. even if, that, if it affects us, I'm okay with that. Excellent. I like that the, the part of the deal. Except I was referring to the old teams, which had some oh, issues, and so it's good that we are now rolling out a, a newer version. I don't know oh, yeah. how big of an issue it has been in a Mac, but it's been a bit of an issue in Windows uh, side for sure. Uh, so if you don't have a proper CPU, uh, so I have I, I have no idea what kind of experience it was on a Mac because like I am on the Ring Zero since long time, so I have <laughs> I have no idea what's the public experience of it. I don't know. Yes. Yes, that's actually that's fair. And, and that's Ring Zero actually... comes with you know with great power comes <laughs> great the stuff. <laughs> like you are on the great surprises. And... Yes. Yeah, yeah you that's get fair. what you want. Yeah. Since we do the the community calls quite a lot of us throughout every single week, I'm not in the Ring One as or Ring Zero. I'm always in a public uh, because you know you, I need to have a functioning. I cannot go to the call and. Boop, and then I'm going. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, so. and also, you know, not have <laughs> the and that, all that. that that you might share screen with something that yes. that isn't available yet. So yes, exactly, on, exactly. Uh, yeah. And it is the, the rings are interesting. So even internally, I it's it's in social media. It's always interesting to see. Oh, 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 that is now released. Uh, I actually thought that it's oh, already up. Well, yeah. interesting. That's new. <laughs> That's <cool>. Yeah. <laughs> But it's it's interesting to see, uh, or it's it's hard to know what's available externally and what's available internally because you know the, the buttons are moving yeah. <laughs> every single day. <laughs> now, as we are recording this live, uh, we're doing live switch here. Uh, I'm just adding that one on here as well because I just noticed that coming up on the on the feeds. Uh, see, multitasking. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, never multitask when you are in a meeting. This is not a meeting, right? Now, um, the, the, ne the next article is, is enable new Microsoft Teams for your organization today. And this is basically walking through then, how would I announce that? How do we uh, enable that? How do we deploy that? What are the settings and all of that stuff? So uh, more on the crew policies, settings, uh, what's coming out uh, and all of that. So or more operational and administrative uh, information around that. So good, good, good. Unwilling, the next generation of OneDrive event was also this week. Uh, this one is really cool. Uh, really, really awesome event. Uh, so obviously, Jeff Deeper hosting the event. Uh, well, 
presenting in the event and a lot of people involved in the ODSB uh, on, on making this happen. Uh, and there's a lot of really cool functionalities coming in OneDrive as well. Um, feels like, a, well, it's a file sync. Well, it's a bit more than that. Uh, and, and there's a lot of, lot of capabilities coming for both consumer side and then for the business side of the, of the OneDrive. Cool. Both of the drives, which are part of the OneDrive. The two drives that you've got in the OneDrive, yes. Yes, yes, exactly. So, but yeah, a lot it's of cool one, stuff. One true, um, two, the one true drive for all your drives. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> true. Anyway, a lot of cool stuff available there. Uh, I'm coming there as well. So that's really, really cool. Uh, what is people science? So this one is a, a more a conceptual uh, uh, blog post related on uh, the Viva connection and employee experiences um, and then referencing additional information uh, on on for those who are looking into uh, are really focusing on the employee experiences side of the house. So good blog post, um, more conceptual information, not announcements, but more on why people are and what VBOP can provide uh, over there. Cool. Interesting. On the SharePoint side of the house, there was the SharePoint roadmap pitch up again, uh, September 2023 uh, edition. And uh, so again, summarizing what has happened. Um, and I actually, I like the SharePoint roadmap pitch up because it's not just about SharePoint, um, because SharePoint powers <laughs> so many other things as well. So it's actually listing all of the monthly monthly announcements, which really good. So it's not just about the monthly announcements in the SharePoint. It's also the stream and co-pilot and teams and all of the outbound drive and all of that. And, and Microsoft lists behind of all of these applications, funny enough, it's SharePoint. So, um, uh -huh. I, haha. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, we we're speculating on things which we probably even shouldn't. Um, is the SharePoint Don't. brand? <laughs> I'm going to stop. Yeah. So, anyway, so SharePoint definitely is, is, is well, well working well and, and, being powerful. Uh, I, I did like, by the way, this one. Um, and now I'm going to actually do this live again. <clears throat> so, uh, Daniel, uh, uh, Mark Anderson had this one, this picture from that event, which was really, really Oh, good. yeah, I know, know what you mean. No yeah, so let me let me actually put that one. That that relates on the OneDrive event. Uh, so basically, SharePoint is still in the center. Obviously, it really depends on which event and who's creating the event, which one do you put on the center. So you'll see different, uh, you know, <laughs> drawings based on the different event. But uh, what it's not actually that far off because SharePoint is the storage model for Teams. It's also the storage for Stream. It's also, you know, it's it's the OneDrive and SharePoint together, which is powering a lot of this capability. Yeah, and I think that the centerpiece is really influenced by the perspective and the lens you take, right? So if you right. think about where do we work? Well, teams, right? So we can put yes. that as a thing. Where do yes. we store? Like, what is really the storage, the underpinning tech? SharePoint. Yes. All right. So, so again, like there are different centers depending on where you stand. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Again, it's it, there's and no actual true. truth. Well, yes, there's no one truth. There's multiple truths. So, <laughs> depends on the perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, this one's interesting on a, on a SharePoint blog. This is good to know. Um, uh, the Business Connectivity Services, BCS, uh, is going to be dropped in Microsoft 365. Uh, super important thing to know. Thing? 
Yeah, well, it shouldn't. It should not be a thing. <laughs> but I basically, yes, in a long time. Oh yes, oh yes, I absolutely agree on that. But but again, making sure that everybody is aware of yep. that, uh, it should not be anymore being used for a long, long, long time. This is official deprecation announcement, where we're basically an end of life announcement deprecation. We are no longer investing on it. It's still supported. Uh, end of life means, hey, we have a date when this is fully retired, and that's now September 13, 2024. Um, so cleaning is good. I'm a big fan of you know cleaning, 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 not just focusing on new shiny things, but also, first of all, let's deliver what we promised, then finalize what we have done, and then clean up the things which should no longer be used, because that clarifies uh, confusion. If it does not spark joy. <laughs> Yes, the same applied to the software and services. Absolutely, that's really good. Marie Kondo, that's, that's yeah. actually really good. I, we, we've done that a few times at home and it actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, have you used that? Yeah. Does it spark a joy? No. Why do you have it? I don't know, throw it away. That's it. Yeah. And that will actually clean up, you know, the mental yeah. mindset is, is better. It will make you feel better. So good, good, good. Um, now, on the developer side, building immersive experiences in Microsoft Mesh. Uh, Mesh is now in the public preview. Really, really cool, uh, awesome stuff. Uh, so you can actually start building these experiences. I, I, this one was actually kind of interesting. We've been teasing this for a long time, and now it's in public preview. It's been in a private preview uh, for a while. The cool thing about this one is that we did not come up with a proprietary uh, development models or anything like that. We are using Unity. So we are not basically introducing something completely out of blue, we are once again going into the industry standards and using .NET and uh, Unity and the, the gaming development technologies now within the context of things. And I think that's actually really, sense. really cool. And why would it you does. introduce your own? Yeah. Yes, absolutely, 100%. We, we as a Microsoft tent, well, you know, we had that <clears throat> the tendency on, you know, introducing our own whatever stuff every now and then, but, you know, this yeah. is really, really cool. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Um, and now uh, Microsoft 365 Developer Program Instant Sandbox Services restored. There was a, a bit of a hiccup on that one, so that has been restored uh, as well. I did not see a blog post related on the hiccup, but I did notice that it has been restored. Uh, so, But there has been issues uh, related on, on doing these things. Uh, that should be now fine. Uh, and I love the fact that we are facing hand, our problem. Yep. We do apologize. Uh, so people are aware that it was Yes, it's, it's nothing for you as a developer. It was on Microsoft side, our fault, and uh, taking responsibility, which is great. Yes. Thank you, Kelly, Absolutely. for that one. Uh, you had a blog post with find what you need in Microsoft Cloud Connectors. Uh, exactly. What this is all about? Well, so this, this is all about the, the idea that in work, for work, we use dozens of apps, right? And, in, and, and it's great because they allow us to uh, work more easily. But the caveat is, is that now we have 10 locations or more to go to to find the info that we need. And there is this idea that you can use, you have the ability to in, ingest the content, import the content from these apps into uh, to Microsoft 365, and with that, be able to find all of it from a single place. So no yeah. longer you have to go to all these, like first know in which app it is, and then go there and try to, find it right so you can find it from a single place using really the the powerful search that we offer on Microsoft 365 so this is a really cool post basically to raise awareness of this ability that you can create that central piece where all the content lives so that you, you can easily find discover and share it with others yep absolutely 
Absolutely. Really, really cool. Uh, and it's good that we are increasing awareness and messaging around this because this is a crucial piece also in the future. So, and with, with M365 Copilot, all of that, uh, totally. the connectors is, is in the center. Absolutely. Now, on the GitHub side, we did an announcement on developer guide to open source LMs and generative AI. And that's actually really interesting. Uh, so, uh, kind of a guides on the high level on how level to be overview yes. of what are the different terms what's yep. what because like you see these terms that come and go and we throw them out ar ar around but what yes. are they exactly what are they like yep. what it's for yep so this is kind of a very brief explainer what are the different things what are the options what you would use and the next step yep. so this is a great article to uh to look at and i i i we seriously need a lot of this because we talk about the NLPs and LLMs and all of that stuff, which is like, yeah, but what if you don't know what is an NLP uh, or LLM or how do you or um, ABC I, oh, or ABS or CCDDD, uh, what, whatever. Uh, was that a, no, that wasn't anything. Uh, okay. So, but it, it's, it's again, how do, would I create it? Do I need to create a large language, large language model? No, you don't. Well, what is it then? Okay. Okay. So let's, well, let's I mean, go through the basics. <laughs> yes, that's fair. Maybe you want a model. I don't know. True, true. Absolutely. You can. You absolutely can. Now, in most of the you cases, enterprises Maybe, don't, don't have to necessarily yeah. do that. But again, so it's good to understand those terms, uh, definitely. So good, good, good. Uh, as a tenant level admin, enable your makers with developer environments. So there's a settings in the Power App side. Uh, we, I think we're heading a bit more towards the not just low code, no code, but also acknowledging that Power Platform is not only for those, it's also for developer side of the house, which is actually good well, because that's and, definitely and what also, it is. Well, yes, and, also, and th this is also meant as a point that you can give people uh, a se separate environment on which they can build without yes. making things available directly to the whole org. production. <clears throat> yeah. Which right. is super critical. Absolutely. Yeah. Remember the developer site collections. Uh, no, never. Um, yes. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> Whenever the dinosaurs were walking in the earth. Anyway, uh, CLI from Access 365 Feet 7 was released. Um, I think we yes. could go already, right? So this another, one. another year, another ma major version of yes. CLI from Access 365. I think in November is going to be six years that we're working on it. Somebody did a count between V6 and V7. We introduced 129 new commands. And that is just aside from other improvements that we've done. So this yeah. is a huge release and it's on and it's a tribute to the tireless community that works on this to make it really a great tool for everyone, adding value, adding new commands, right. improving just to make it a really great tool that helps everybody. In, in their work. So so definitely yes. next milestone on our on our road. And we're thinking already towards next year about V8. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. And I, and again, I like you said, I think that this is such a brilliant example of a community driven tooling which the community wants to contribute because they use it on their daily work. So that's an brilliant cycle because then that that basically starts benefiting everybody. And then um, that that's a goodwill cycle as well um, and it's such a great example of a successful open source project so and also you so you know the fact that the horizon spends years it's Correct. a long term thing we're here to Correct. yes exactly and 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 that's a really cool thing that we see in co, co community too because we have few of these initiatives and they've been around for years and we see that yes. that we need that time to build trust to show people right. that we're we're here to stay that it's perfectly fine right. to use us that there is 
uh, that is active, that is maintained, that is reacted to when there is an issue. Yep. So, so it's really and cool to see that these initiatives are there to stick and people yep. want to join to help too. Correct. And it's not about the individuals even. So people yes. come and go and we transition the ownership and everything. And that that cycle is so crucial to get working rather than being, and no offense I'm, as a Microsoft employee, but rather than being really fiscally or driven and then dropping the things. There's been, uh, the, the one thing which, I'm sorry for taking two minutes on this one, but uh, at one year, I remember so vividly, there was this absolutely brilliant powershell.office.com where you could actually go and find 50 to 100 PowerShell scripts and all of that stuff. And and it was clear that somebody had really spent a lot of time on, on you know, building that and all of, the, all of the things. There was no contribution option. There was no editing option. There was no feedback option. It, it was live for one month and then it disappeared. Mm. It's a shame. It's yeah. like no, no, don't let get, ah, just yeah. ah. Yeah. <laughs> let's make it community driven. If you don't, if Microsoft cannot, and and that happens, there are projects where Microsoft cannot continue running that for whatever reason. Let's give it away for community, and then community can figure out if there's a enough value out of it. So yeah. Anyway, so really good examples. Thank you for everybody who's involved in the CLI work. Don uh, Kirkman. Uh, had a blog post on, on using Teams Toolkit in WSL. What is WSL? Windows subsystem for Linux. And it's surprising that you're asking me now that I am on a Mac. <laughs> and I'm not using this at all. No, you know, this is um, this is part of acting as we're doing this show. Yes. So uh -huh. like, this is not That's, just I don't you know, know, I'm on a Mac. Should <laughs> exactly. I know about it? WSL on Mac is something else. I don't, I don't know. But basically it allows you, so it's really cool tech, right? Because it allows you to use Linux on Windows. And the cool thing is, is that I wonder though, what is the best? So for a long time, there was a thing where Node.js things on Windows were slower than yep. on Linux and Mac. Now, I wonder yep. if that argument still stands with uh, the dev drive that we introduced on Windows. And I don't know sure. like, to what extent dev drive is also built on WSL or not, but dev drive is insanely faster. Yep. So I wonder to what extent this argument still stands or do we like, yep. no, 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 like, well, you don't need WSL. You can use uh, a dev drive now because it's equally as fast or even faster. It's actually kind of interesting to think about that we're using the, exactly the same hardware, but then we're just changing something on, under the covers and all of a sudden it's faster. It's like, well, why wouldn't we just then use that? So, well, you know. because the hardware, well, the hardware is only part of the story, right? We also have True. the OS. Sure. And different devices Absolutely. handle things differently. And well, yes, exactly. Anyway, uh, moving on on the series, uh, Tony Paul uh, had a uh, blog post related and get the expiration date of an application secrets and certificates in Entra, as in Azure AD. Must uh, know for every admin. Because the one thing, one thing you don't want to uh, wake up to is, hey, this app does no longer work. Oh, Why? Yeah. Because cert expired. Oh, yes. Oh, it's yes. always DNS or a secret. Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. Really, really cool. Thank you, Tony, for sharing that one. Uh, awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, Ganesh had a blog post related on creating colored folders in SharePoint Online and OneDrive. So we finally have the colored folders. Simple thing, but has a huge impact. Uh, you know, visual um, categorization and all of that stuff makes makes perfect sense. Um, absolutely. So brilliant, brilliant. This is how it works. Thank you, Ganesh, for explaining that one. Um, Tony Weschler. Weschler. Wechsler. Tom Wechsler, uh, Tom. I think. Okay. <laughs> 
had a tweet related on Microsoft audit uh, blocks office trees management API search list like a pro. So basically a script uh, from his uh, GitHub uh, related on that functionality. Um, and here's the script uh, shared uh, for other people to use as well. So really, really cool. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. Well, you, this guy called Waldek Mastercard, had a blog post. Totally. Exactly. He's How... writing a lot. Recently, I am. There was a time where I didn't write write anything for months, and I was like, yeah. "Yeah, you know what? I learned a thing or two. I want to. I need to share with others. It's burning. Yes. It needs yes. to be out." So yeah. this time around. I talk about how can you build custom middleware, which is kind of the thing that sits in the pipeline between when you invoke a method in the SDK and the, and the request. And in this case, how you can use that to handle long-running operation. So yeah. uh, the whole thing is that when like there are a few operations on Microsoft Graph that, that aren't instant, right? So you submit a request and you get back a URL that, that you need to pull every interval period to basically to check is it done yet is it is it done yet and while yep. you could write all of that code by yourself it clutters your main code flow it makes it really hard to understand like what does that part of your app do so you can yep. move all of you can abstract all of that away to middleware and then your call is basically really simple it's just the call and then the sdk will do the hard job of pulling the request waiting checking status uh, status and then your code is basically will hold there until it's done if you want to and then move on so your code yep. stays really clean and you you can do everything you want so this is a really great way to architect your 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 apps absolutely absolutely awesome reference point as well so really really cool Good, good, good. And then Marcus Miller, uh, just today, uh, this is the one which I captured uh, on a fly, uh, had a blog post related on creating Teams uh, meetings and install Teams meeting app with Microsoft Craft. That's actually really, really cool uh, because these are typical scenarios or requests which come up uh, quite often. Uh, so can we automate meeting creation? Can we can we do things uh, and, and manipulate things and reference what points I like, Marcus? What I like a lot about this example, what is the first section that it does? Auth. It yes. doesn't. It, it yes. doesn't have the reference. Put a token here. This is how you do auth, and it's a chunk yes. of code, and it works. It yes. highlights the key elements. It does SSO. Yes. It does the hard part so that your your sample, your code, Correct. will work end to end. It doesn't, Correct. you know, require you to, you to squint and say, ah, and put put a token. Like, what token? From where? Yes. Where? Is where? It? What? What is it? Yeah. Where is it coming from? How do I get it? So. Yeah. Yeah, this is good. Thank you, Marcus. Yeah. Really, really awesome work. So absolutely brilliant. And again, uh, having these reference points and the code is, is incredibly valuable uh, for people who are trying to learn, okay, how would I do things? And sharing the sharing the, block, uh, the code pieces in the blog is, is good. It's really, really yeah. good. Um, so awesome stuff. Um, because quite often, if you have a, had a sample, that might actually be too complicated and there's too much you know, clutter and, and things in the sample to focus on only on the relevant pieces. So these are worth of gold. Uh, so thank yeah. you, Mar Marcus, on that. Absolutely brilliant stuff. And pictures, awesome. pictures, pictures, pictures. Pictures, pictures, pictures. So what do we get? Follow this blog post. This is what you get. So here's how you get the token. Then do these steps, and this is the outcome. That's how every right. single blog post should be. Yes. <laughs> the recipe. Yes, exactly. 
Yeah. Cool. A uh, few videos. Um, so uh, Paolo had a video, uh, episode 264, building search adaptive card extensions with SPFX 1.18. So with 1.18, uh, we we actually uh, kind of, uh, we uh, let me show it in here. We give you more options uh, on the Viva cards. Uh, so we're kind of uh, giving oh, you layouts. Okay. So they are not related to search. Like, what that? are search uh, adaptive card ex extensions? And it's like, oh, right. yeah, so these are in Viva connections. You, you can Viva search connection, on a card. We can do things. It's not the specific. Correct. There's a specific layout now available for search operations. And, and there's alternative new layout options as well. So you can do much more. Uh, dynamic and engaging dashboards uh, where you can uh, do operation directly in the cart level, which is actually really, really cool. And with this, the search, you basically call an API and you can search in anywhere you want and you can basically Correct. get big, big results. Okay. Correct. So you could Correct. tap, you could use your Viva uh, adaptive cart extension to search using Microsoft Search Scope to do specific Correct. data source or area. Yes. That's really cool. Yes. That is really yes. cool. Yes. So it's basically now, a layout um, yeah. for you to use, and then you plug in your API calls on that. And I'm trying to, th to think immediately, as we now talk more and more and more about bringing your external data from your line of business True. app to Microsoft 365, you can use True. this to expose it in a very tailored and optimized way from, cool. again, a single place. Yep. That is yep. really cool. That's really, really cool. Awesome, awesome progress. Um, Do it. Yes, exactly. Well, exactly. it is shipped already. That's available for you today for the price of zero dollars in your um, tenant. Yes, so in your tenant, and Viva Connection doesn't have a, a even a price, so you can actually use it today for free within your tenant. So, well, you have to have the tenant, but you know, um, and a computer, yes, yes. and I, yeah, and I and go next. <laughs> Juliana De Luca had a new video on how to how use organization announcements in the Microsoft Viva Connection. Uh, so I'm going to actually uh, go a bit here and explaining what these are, uh, because again, a super super important uh, uh, video. We we are actually releasing more guidance videos on that one as well. And why is it not moving? Hello, there we go. There we go. So uh, we basically have these announcements, and announcements are being also surfaced, can be surfaced in devices, and then the announcements are surfaced inside of the dashboard. So you, you'll have the, the information announcement uh, visible in the dashboard side as well. So this is really, really cool uh, for reaching to your workforce and, and using the mobile first uh, and frontline worker communication channels and all of that. So more capabilities coming in Viva Connections. Good, good, good. Uh, so thank you, uh, uh, Juliano, for that one. Uh, AC had a horror story. Um, I'm not going to go too much detailed on the background information on this, but I, I, I did like the video. I, I like the video format. Um, not that the content obviously is, eh, but you know, we, we <laughs> as a Microsoft, we didn't do a good job related on uh, SharePoint Server uh, 23 uh, subscription edition, uh, the latest version. It's a bit confusing thing, uh, but the video is highly inter entertaining. Uh, so good. Good work on AC on that one. Uh, and there is a clearly, clearly a challenge here, which we as a Microsoft need to clarify. Uh, so good work on that. Good, good, good. Uh, and then uh, we have a lot of new samples available. Uh, so we'll list all of these in a blog post, absolutely, uh, from Paolo, from you, uh, Markdown Content, and .NET and C Sharp, SPFX Midover ABR pattern. That's really cool as well and important. Uh, you've been working definitely on the Microsoft Craft side of the house, uh, so a lot of additional things there. Um, Rush me, Chris, 
Tetuana, Tetuan adding additional capabilities uh, as well. And of course, from the office dev, we are getting the Microsoft samples in one centralized location. I really like this location. Um, so yeah. finding samples in a GitHub is incredibly hard. Um, yeah, because again, like there are spread across so many repos and places, and yes. it's really hard to yeah. understand like what's where, where's here. You can filter it by product, by date. You can just see what's new. Yep. And it's, yeah, it's a really easy way. And also, again, single place to find all of them as opposed to you having to go on scavenger hunt and good luck. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is this is really, really cool. And we're working, of course, with Power Platform people as well. So we're looking into this to be the one unified location where we can easily send everybody uh, to access the relevant sample, uh, whatever they're looking for. Just one location to remember, not 27 yeah. different repos or locations and all of that. So, well, if only, Microsoft it was only 27, right? <laughs> oh, that's fair. <laughs> that is so true. So, um, and of course, uh, if you have any feedback related on the experience here, uh, please let us know. Uh, we're, we're all the time looking into improving the search experience. So, because there's already 1758 samples from Microsoft and community in this one centralized yeah. location. That you can really get cool. your samples there as well, by the way. So as long as you contribute on the centralized sample galleries uh, and the contributions guidance, follow up on that. Yeah. Good. And then another thing that I wanted to add, if you scroll down just a little bit, I think, just a little bit, just, just a little bit more, right in the middle there, there is a graph um, connector yes. that allows you ah, to ingest yes. these samples into your Microsoft 365 tenant. So you can yes. search from your intranet or Microsoft search for these samples. So imagine you have a, um, a meeting with a customer and they, add, they ask about something. You can find a sample directly from your intranet relevant around that. So you can find, yep. and you will find everything that is here. Again, you will search through 1700 samples from your environment. Basically you have all of that available at, at uh, uh, the fingertips. Really, 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 really cool thing. Um, uh, so, and thank you everybody who's contributing on the sample side as well, because again, we're really trying to make this as a community benefiting from the community and then getting the Microsoft samples in a one centralized location so that we don't, you know, really easy find yeah. what's available. So. Cool. Um, and by the way, one more thing what I wanted to actually show here. This is incredibly cool. Uh, so if you click on any of the persons, you can actually get the person details as well. So you can actually see all of the samples, what they contributed throughout the years, uh, and then the connection information. So if you're looking into, for example, for having a discussion on somebody, so have you been active in open source? Send a link to your profile. Me, no. And that's it. No, no, no. So, no me neither. No, so. Not active. Yeah. That was six pages of samples in your case. Uh, that, that, that's actually a pretty decent amount of samples. Thank you, Valdek, on that. And guess what? If we go all the way in here, I guess the first one is where the web part is it? No, it's yes. not. No. What? <laughs> Angular. NG Office UI. Wow. That's pretty far. So. Where is the weather web part, by the way? I don't know. Should we have a look on? Uh, so. We have nothing weather. else to do, so let's weather. Weather information. Where's the weather web part? Weather checkpoint field. No, field. No, there's no weather. Where is I, did, weather I, I haven't submitted here apparently. Wow. Have we I missed a, a sample? I think. I think that the problem is that I created the web part before the SPFX web part repo existed, and I've never added it. Really? 
Yeah, yeah, okay. I think so. We need to trill on top of this. Because yes, we need, to, we need to get to back to the bottom of it and add it here <laughs> yes. with the yes. original date. Next episode, uh, we'll have a discussion on did we found it or did we not yes. found the weather web part and where is it? Yeah. Um, because everything starts from the web, <laughs> the story the mystery, of a weather. The, yes, every technology <laughs> yes. starts with the weather web yes. part. <laughs> the mystery of disappearing weather web part. Where is it and who has taken it? You will hear more within a two next weeks, episode. actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the next episode will be a shorter one uh, because of things we'll only focus on interview. Uh, but the week after that will be then a bit longer, and we'll talk about the weather web part definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that that means that I've got two weeks to uh, sort it out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Where is it? <laughs> but if it's if it's somewhere and it's not listed in here, then we need to get it fixed. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Cool. Anyway, thank you, Sarah, for joining this week. Uh, really cool discussion. Uh, no idea why we spent again this long <laughs> chatting about friends. Every stuff. single time we aim to be so fast and optimized, and we're not. Yes. <laughs> But thank you everybody for watching or listening. Uh, please use hashtag BMP Weekly in Twitter or X uh, if you are there. Uh, we're still there, uh, definitely. Uh, and, and that helps us on finding the relevant sample uh, or content, whatever you've done. So, because we're always interested on in that as well. And other than that, give us feedback. Let us know what works, what not. I guess that's it. Have a great rest of the week uh, whenever you're watching this. And we'll be back within a week. See you, folks. Cheers. Cheers. Cheese, cheese, cheese. Cheese. It was a combination of see you and cheers. Cheese. Awesome. Thank you. Bye bye.